History Matters. We are joined in the studio by Scott Washington, a local extra- uh, historian extraordinaire, historian extraordinaire, to catch us up on. It's my first day back. I'm stumbling over all of my words to catch us up on this week in history. Good morning. How well, good morning, Aaron. I, you don't have to stumble at all. This is uh, the week when we celebrate William Shakespeare's death and birth, which supposedly occur on the 23rd. Um, so it's uh, a day when some people have tongue-in-cheek called it uh, on the 23rd, you talk like William Shakespeare. So you have Forsooth. an opportunity. <laughs> 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 uh, or if you're looking for a specific person in an apartment complex and you say, which one is it? Is it to be or not to be? <laughs> Get out. <laughs> we were also talking well, about rude gestures <laughs> off the air. And what says Shakespeare like rude gestures? That's right. Exactly. Well, there are uh, some really interesting... Uh, there Every week, I think there are interesting things happening. But there are people who do uh, some interesting things this week uh, that are worth noting. And a couple of them are actually Civil War generals. Um, uh, April 17th. Um, 1865 is when General William Sherman, Union General, meets his counterpart, uh, General Joseph Johnson, at Bennett Place in what is now Durham. It was kind of between where uh, General Johnson's forces were um, and uh, encamped all around Hillsboro and where uh, General Sherman's forces were in Raleigh. And they had prearranged this, but between that time of prearranging that on the 14th, what happens is that, uh, of course, uh, President Lincoln is shot, uh, and he dies on the 15th. The word comes down on the 16th. Sherman swears the telegraph operator to secrecy because he knows if his men know that, they'll burn Raleigh to the ground. And the first person he tells, supposedly, is his counterpart, General Joseph Johnson at Bennett Place. Hmm. Now, there aren't a lot of accounts exactly. There wasn't an eyewitness, but... Um, Sherman says that uh, Joe Johnson's response was just he started sweating profusely and he understood that this was a catastrophe, saying the South did not plan this. But it is a conspiracy. And they meet again on the 18th. They come to terms. uh, Sherman is disciplined, thinking, okay, let's find a way to end this war as Lincoln would. Um, And they come up with terms. They're sent out. One goes towards Jefferson Davis, and who's now heading from Richmond down to Greensboro, and the other one goes to Washington. But when they see it in Washington, D.C., since they really are dealing with a conspiracy, then all kind of red uh, alarm bells go off because they see this thing about returning property as just a, a code for going back to the way things right. are and Washington won't have it. They send Grant down and um, to say, basically, take over uh, because we don't know whether Sherman's a part of this or not or what's happening and what's he doing. Of course, Sherman uh, you know, throws up his hands saying, I'm just trying to end a war. Right. And, um, I love the fact, given what happens to Sherman's reputation later, that he's suspected yes. of being a Southern sympathizer in this right. moment. Yeah. Oh, right. And... Um, the the interesting thing is what happens towards the end of the month, and that will, will uh, kind of a cliffhanger of like, what's going to happen? Well, you're going to have to tune in to find out. Uh, but these are two generals who try to end this conflict themselves, who said enough is enough. And um, that's the real thing. In fact, when the terms get back to Jefferson Davis, 
His first response is, great, um, in that case, uh, let's just see how things turn out because we can be back in business again. Mm -hmm. And that is not Hence the way the, the Civil War Hence the skepticism is. in Washington, I assume. That's right. Yeah, yeah pretty oh, similar. very yeah. much so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, another one um, is a woman very few have heard of, uh, Gertrude Weissmiller-Meyer. She was born in 1896 um, in uh, Holland, and uh, she lives in 1978. What's remarkable about her is that she's credited with saving uh, thousands of Jewish children during World War II. Mm. She, did not she and her husband did not have children, but when World War II came along, especially in the early 30s, she begins to hear about uh, reports of children uh, being separated, especially Jewish children, and she begins to say, well, that we're not going to do that. And here she is. She's looking very Aryan. So she goes right up to German officials and says, I need passports to get them out of the country. And up until uh, Great Britain declares war on Britain, that was allowed. And even after that, she continues throughout the entire war, showing incredible courage. And even after the war, uh, she's involved in the Anne Frank House and mm -hmm. sitting on the board for that. But a remarkable woman who uh, saved the lives of so many simply because she said, it's not right, it's not fair. Born on this week in history? That's right, that's yep. right. This week, the 21st uh, of April. Okay, and another one uh, that we have, uh, which is kind of a humorous one, um, his name is Ole Evenrude, born in 1877, April 19th, uh, lives to 1934, uh, Norwegian, who uh, was rolling I could have guessed that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how you could. <laughs> I don't know that they talk like going to a boardroom. It's like, what's the most Norwegian <laughs> name we could possibly concoct? <laughs> <laughs> well, he was rowing a boat supposedly to a picnic, and it took so long, he said there had to be a better way. And he invents the idea of putting an outboard motor on a, uh, a rowboat. Now, that just seems like so evident, but at that time, this was something nobody had done before. It is truly amazing how ingenious <laughs> and how much effort we human beings will put into being lazy. <laughs> like, ah, oh, rowing is so much work. I'm going to spend a year devising a brand new thing that's never existed that's before right. just so I don't have to work my arms when I'm in a boat. I'm Henry Ford. I hate giving <laughs> up and feeding the horses. Exactly, <laughs> There's right? There's got to be an easier way. Even I if think... it takes me the rest of my life, I will come up with a way yeah, to procrastinate. I think there, there is something to that, and we can all ask ourselves, oh, yeah, you know, we figure out workarounds that, oh, this is faster to how to do it. So I do think that does happen, and I think it's kind of humorous. Uh, speaking with Scott Washington, History Matters, one more. What do we okay, got? well, this one is just one coming up this Saturday, Earth Day. Uh, started in 1970, and uh, it led to all kinds of really important environmental awareness. Of course, we'd had uh, environmental awareness because of Rachel Carson's Silent Spring, and also people like Jacques Cousteau. Uh, but Earth Day becomes this celebration of saying, wait a minute, we're part of something bigger than ourselves. And this spreads uh, across um, uh, the world, but here in the United States, we think of the Clean Air Act, the Clean Water Act, Endangered Species Act, and many other groundbreaking environmental uh, legislation that gets passed because of this interest, that we are part of something bigger. And I think that's what is the remarkable thing about the people I've mentioned this morning is, and this is true of everybody listening, 
is that you can make a difference. It can be something as simple as uh, figuring out a way to do something different. <laughs> that makes the lives of everybody a little bit better, especially here on planet Earth. And that is how history matters. Scott Washington, as always, thank you so thank much. Thank you, Aaron.